everybody, and this sucks. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 167 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me as usual is my podcast partner in crime, writer, journalist, published author, and dog mom, Jessica Salaji. Hello. How was your week? It was good. How was yours? Not bad. I got to meet your mama. You did. Tell us about her. She is uh, possibly one of the sweetest people you ever meet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how the apple fell that far from the tree. <laughs> no, she's super, super nice lady. Uh, way up there in Alpharetta from where I am, but. She lives in the golden corridor of good old Alpharetta. Oh, Alphatucky. Mm-hmm. Now, the bad thing about Alpharetta we were talking about for the show is there's no good way to get there. 120 sucks and 400 sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's always traffic. 24 hours a day. I, I, I know that from previous experience going to Alpharetta, not, not that I went to your mom's house in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you watch any of the president's speech and the rebuttal? I did. Wow. I thought it was, I mean, there was no energy at all. You talk about that. He's the top of his game right now. Hmm. The fact that he was semi-lucid made me think that he was doping before, like Lance Armstrong did, getting oxygenated blood put in him to be as awake as, awake as possible. And, and, and I've heard the, the point made plenty of times. One, that wasn't a joint session of Congress. They had like 15 people in the room. Yeah, what was that about? I mean, I know what it was about, COVID, but... Yeah, but they're out there telling us, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Everybody in there has been vaccinated or had the opportunity to be vaccinated, and they're still sitting 15 feet apart from one another, wearing two masks. Uh, I mean, just, it wasn't a good look. And then Tim Scott, or whatever uh, his name is, senator out of South Carolina, gives, gives the, the response, and I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. He, he communicates very, very, very well. It comes off very empathetic. It's, I mean, it's no small wonder he's in politics. But yeah, I mean, the- he's a good um, messenger, but are we going to talk about, I mean, why Why did they pick him? I'll give you three guesses, and the first two don't count. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess the, the messenger thing, if it's, it's some stuff that you and I get into if we start talking about race stuff on the show is it's tough for two white people to talk about it. And sure. it, you think it would give him a certain amount of cover, but no, no. Uh, Joy Behar went after him. I mean, it just uh, there have been a long list of people. That Joy Behar would go after Jesus, Mother Teresa, and I don't know very many other would, nice would, people, it, but yeah, and, and would would praise Stalin if it got if it if it got her her aligned with her uh, views, but. The stuff that went on Twitter that they would never tolerate coming out for for anybody else, uh, the the trending hashtag uh, Uncle Tim uh, wasn't taken down for I, mean, I think half a day, like twelve hours. But look, if you're going to be just a publisher and you're not responsible for content like Four Chan was and Eight Chan and all those places where the Q conspiracies came out, if you're going to be truly free speech, that's fine. Because it reveals more about the people that that say it and, and share that kind of stuff than it does about the person that that you're that they're saying it about. But the but if, if Twitter's going to be calling balls and strikes, and they're going to decide what is hate speech and what's not. Man, they they sure do tolerate it when it's somebody that doesn't agree with them. Yeah. Everyone got indicted last week. Everyone's you, a criminal. Don't you think? I mean, it was a big. There were a lot of big indictments last week. We got Clayton County Sheriff Victor Hill. Uh, the indictment alleges a number of violations of civil rights of several people in his agency's custody by ordering that they be unnecessarily strapped into a restraint chair and left there for hours. Do you, I mean, do you, have you followed the political career of Victor Hill? 
Yeah, off and on. I mean, he's 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 got a interesting and checkered past. He's kind of like Vernon Jones, where he just keeps he just keeps finding himself. All the good things he tries to make himself look as if he's doing, he keeps finding himself in pickles. Yeah, <clears throat> and now look if you if you strap me in a chair for hours, I, I'm I'm middle aged and I drink a lot of tea. At some point, I'm not going to be very happy about that. My eyeballs floating strapped to a chair. Uh, case examples are a 17-year-old boy accused of vandalizing his family home during an argument with his mother in April 2020. This is during this is when COVID is kicking off. Uh, was arrested by a deputy without incident, and a short time later, the deputy spoke with Hill and texted him a photo of the teen in a police car. How old is he? Hill texted. Uh, 17, the deputy responded. Chair, Hill responded. <sighs> Gotta watch out for text, man. Um, no, that's a sign of thinking you're untouchable. It is. And look, I, it's not his place as sheriff to be the punisher. I, I I would guess his thing was a scared straight sort of thing where I don't know if the kid was actually charged. Um, I didn't I didn't see that in the stories that I saw whether or not the kid was was actually charged and, and tried. But it seems like maybe the kid was a bit of an a-hole and Victor took it upon himself to to punish him. So that's, you know, that's not how you treat your mama. It's also not how you treat an inmate, but OK. Right. Well, I'm saying it's not his place. You know, his job is to investigate crimes. He they don't even do a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, law enforcement in Clayton County. The sheriff's department does. They have a police department, right? But apparently, this is this is so so prevalent within within their department or their office is that it w- wasn't even like a. Okay, we'll put him in a chair. I'll be there in a little while. It was just chair. Like this, this is something that happens with with regularity down there. Yeah, okay. and they said that there were times when, like, I guess they had more than one chair, but they would they would put people in there together. Like they'd all they, there'd be more than one person lined up. And well, the the text means you can't even you can't even claim that it was a uh, just inefficiency. Well, we have to restrain him. He's in custody and. The paperwork was moving slow that day. They ended up having to sit there for longer than than we would like. You can't even claim ignorance on this one, which is tough for Victor Hill not to be able to claim ignorance. Mm-hmm. Did you did you see? I mean, the indictment. I think I think it was like sixteen pages, but there was another one where he said that, or they said that he. Of course, the sheriff's office has like a SWAT team, a fugitive squad, you know, and and uh, one of the articles I read was on like CNBC and they hyped it up like they sent they sent the SWAT team or the fugitive squad team with handguns and AR rifles and all this, which like I don't necessarily have a problem with the police having those things. The issue was that they sent it to a guy who was charged with a misdemeanor of harassing communications and the harassing communications charge actually like stemmed from an, an, a correspondence between Victor Hill and this individual. So not only did he like, I guess, I don't know, oversee his own investigation or something like having to do with him. He just arbitrarily had the guy charged and sent the SWAT team out to pick him up, you know, Instead of issuing warrants and, and saying, could you turn yourself, could you yeah, turn yourself in? Everywhere else, they, you know, that's, that's something that they, they hey, we're going to charge you tomorrow. You you have to close the business to turn yourself in. You go, okay, and you go get your attorney. But when he's using the, the sheriff's office as his personal police force, and it would be tough to, really tough to prove harassing communications when you're talking to an elected official. We're not talking about somebody harassing some uh, somebody he's never met or somebody harassing uh, an ex or somebody, some other type of abuse. We're talking about 
not only are you talking to an elected official, you're talking to the sheriff who has all the protection in the world. How harassed did he feel? Well, I'm not going to comment on the charge of harassing communications and how harassed someone may or may not have felt um, at this given time. However, I will say that I don't think a fugitive squad team should be sent for any misdemeanor offense unless the person has like routinely, unless there's some like other um, underlying circumstance that we're unaware of, like a history or you know which is not the case in this in in, in this situation um right yeah well he's barricaded himself in, in the house uh there's most of the people that i know that have been arrested it was like a knock on the door hey this is why i'm here okay do you mind if i put put something else on all right cool you know most interactions with police are not kicking the door down right the yeah vast- sometimes they'll just call and say Hey, uh, it's kind of late on a Friday. You can turn yourself in Monday if you'd like. Yeah, they don't want to. They, they, hell, they don't want to take up space in the jail and have to feed you over the weekend either. The judge won't be here till Monday morning. Which turn yourself in Monday. I mean, it's one of my more favorite memes, especially when like Fourth of July is on a Friday. So remember uh, to to get a cab because if you get locked up Friday night, the judge won't be in till Monday morning. Of course, Hill says <clears throat> this is a politically motivated federal legal case. I will continue to focus on the mission of fighting crime in Clayton County uh, for continued success. My favorite part about that is that he sent it out over the the Nixle notification system, which is what they use to send out like road closures, you know, um, when there is like a in a neighborhood, you know, where they might have a heavy law enforcement presence. Um if there's a missing child, like it's not a, um, it's not the sheriff's text messaging group chat. It's, it's a public messaging system for notification. And, and homie's like, yep. I uh, just want to let you all know that this is politically motivated and, and I'm good. He's also, I, he's kind of missing the, the, the sweet spot on saying it's politically motivated by whom? Who in the in the Biden administration? Biden administration is making a federal case out of it? I mean, no, no. I would say that the the poor kid who was strapped to a chair for several hours, or the kid's family, or, or whoever else uh, is making a case out of it. But yeah, you, I think you have to hashtag it's a. Uh, it's an ethics violation too. I mean, what? It's an ethics violation to send that out. I think over uh, the public. I think it is too. But yeah. you can make one phone call to the Clayton Examiner or who, whatever paper is down there. Make a phone call and say, I'd, "I'd like to release a statement." Okay. Well, and he's a sitting sheriff, so I mean, it, it goes. Obviously, this has picked up national headlines, and it goes well beyond that. But you know, talking about the politically motivated part, he was indicted in 2012. Um, or not maybe not in 2012 but he was facing whatever the case it happened in like 2011 or 2012 he was facing um over 24 criminal charges in a corruption case he got elected while he was facing he got reelected while he was facing all those but that was during the obama administration so once again like i don't know what he's claiming his politics are because he he doesn't identify as a republican and all the times that he's faced criminal offenses, Democrats have been leading the the show. Well, Drew Fendling, uh, one of Hill's lawyers, said they have been aware of the federal investigation and have done their own investigation. And these four allegations do not involve any physical injury at all. That statement really bothered me, as you can tell by the notes on the with the expletives on them. I, you don't have to have physical injury for your rights to be violated. Right. Yeah. So, Mr. Finling, you know, head back to law school or maybe go work as a mediator somewhere. You're, you're no good at this. Or he's grasping at straws and he's like, oh, man, we got nothing. Well, at least we didn't beat him. Well, it's funny you say that because you remember the Brooklet um, 
the ever the ongoing Brooklet series, right? Like the twenty five articles, and there oh, was yeah. an attorney at one point who said, "I mean, it's not like they killed anyone." <laughs> like, well, congratulations. Uh, yeah. You're lucky they didn't, because it wouldn't be Brooklet anymore. It would just be, you know, a highway. Just be the highway. Maybe it should be. I think Brooklet's on the way back, aren't they? They are doing very well. Yeah. So, Travis and Greg McMichael and Roddy Bryan, the three defendants charged with murder in the Ahmad Arbery case of federal hate crimes. Yeah, they got indicted last week, too. Um, I guess they got one count. They all, all three of them were charged with one count of interference with rights and with one count of attempted kidnapping. And then the, the hate crimes part is attached to that. And then the McMichaels, the dad and fa- son, were charged with using firearms to carry out acts of violence. And, you know, the feds have such weird names for their some of their charges, like using a firearm to carry out an act of violence. Well, I, you know... I carry a gun to combat an act of violence. Like I don't carry a gun so that I can help school children cross the street. I like, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't like their wording or their verbiage, but because of the hate crimes part, it adds life sentence um, possibilities because it resulted in a death, even though, because you know, at the state level, they're still charged with um, murder, ag assault, false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony. So a lot of times we see like the feds take over a case and have a superseding indictment or something. This is just running parallel, which is interesting. It is interesting because they're, they're being charged at two different levels for the same actions. Are they? Because I mean, the the unlawful or u- the use of firearm to carry out an act of violence that is not at the state level doesn't i mean yeah. they they didn't do anything with the gun and then the interference with rights like i that's just weird and then one count of attempted kidnapping they didn't charge them with kidnapping obviously it was just false imprisonment that's i think that's the one where they would kind of maybe get in trouble right but I don't know. I mean, I don't. I didn't go everybody's, to law school. Everybody's piling onto it to, to mm-hmm. seem more woke. Now, look, we we, we talked about the, this case at at length and and had and had attorneys on the show to, to kind of you know get into the, the difference with, between stand your ground and chase somebody down with your pickup truck and a and a shotgun. Right. But you know, without without rehashing all that. It seems like the, the, the federal government could stay out of it and, and let the state do its thing. Well, you know, Biden, the Biden administration, with their one of the things that they activated really quickly under the DOJ was the civil rights. I mean, we've, we've had a civil rights division, but they really amped up the, I guess, because obviously this was going, we knew the DOJ was investigating a long time ago, but um, they really amped up, I guess, the vocal presence and just so people know that they're there and because so much of what we're seeing from this administration has to do with race because i mean one of the claims is that in in the indictment it says that arbery's race played a factor as the mcmichaels and brian illegally attempted to stop him while running down the suburban brunswick street and of course we don't know all the evidence right now we know that when the preliminary hearing to the bond hearing there was um a gbi investigator who said he heard brian or he, Brian told him that he overheard Travis McMichael using a racial slur. And, you know, I'm not saying I, I, my understanding is that he did use that. I mean, that's been kind of confirmed across sources and the not that I believe everything the GBI says, but let's just say that it is. Well, if he used a racial slur, does that does that automatically mean that the crime was racially motivated? I mean, uh, I'm not trying to say that what they did was okay or that it wasn't racially motivated. I just, what, what evidence that alone is not sufficient to me to say that the crime was racially motivated. Well, and and again, the, the stuff that bothers me is the narrative of he was just running down a suburban street. Like he was just out, out exercising. It does not excuse what the McMichaels did. I'm saying, but, but it, 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 
you have to be able to willing to accept the idea that everyone sucks. That nobody nobody's an angel in this. You know, and we, and we don't we don't judge crimes based on whether or not we like the defendant. But I I think the the hate crime stuff is is going to be I think it's a misuse of, well, I don't like hate crimes legislation anyway. But as a sentence answer, maybe. But it, the, I don't know if, if race was a motivating factor or if because it was a young person running down running down the street or it was how he was dressed or the fact that or they saw him come out of one of the houses under construction. Well, and unless the McMichaels or Brian come out and say, I chased him down and shot him because of his race, we can't. They, they can't prove it. Right. Well, exactly. Exactly. If we all have this vision in our head when we when we talk about hate crimes, that we're talking about a, a group of, of KKK members that they go out and, and commit a lynching. And we can all pretty much agree, yes, that's 100% racially motivated. But the when we get lost in the minutiae of it, with this idea that somehow the court is going to, be able to determine what was in the McMichael's heart when they when they went after him, why and then that sen- day? And sentence them to a life sentence because of that. Because I mean, that's like to me. So one of the one of the uh, like you know they always talk to people from like Georgia Southern and Georgia State University, and as if those people are. I guess Georgia State has a law school, but they always talk to these professors as if they are like somehow qualified to comment on the case and and their their whole thing was well you know this gives them something to fall back on if the state really just blows the case well first of all that's a terrible reason to do it (laughs) i look i this is this is this is everyone trying to get in on the pandering and look i have no idea what the michaels were thinking but i also know you you don't go I don't know how old the elder is, 50, 50 years in your life, not committing a crime and wake up that morning, become a racist. That, okay, today's the day we're just going to find somebody and shoot them. Well, and, you know, we did pass our um, hate crimes law last year. It was signed into it was signed into law. And they said, you know, one of the reasons that this happened was because it wasn't you know, we didn't have the law in, in, in place at time. They can't retroactively charge them, obviously, for something that wasn't illegal at the time. But, you know, you can't just... Yeah, post ex facto, yeah they, can't, yeah. they can't go back and charge them for it, no. No, but if, if you just want to get involved because you want to make it about race, then I don't really see how that is justice. I, I just... It's not. Look, if, if the administration came out and said... I want to make every one of our resources available to the to the GBI and everyone investigating uh, the the killing of Ahmad Arbor. Absolutely, you know what? That's that's helpful. The FBI crime lab uh, uh, presumably is is better than than George's. Uh, they that that's that's totally appropriate. Let a, we can, we'll help you any way we can. But this this parallel case running with it one. It's, it's going to exhaust anybody's ability to defend themselves. You've got to hire two teams of lawyers, one to specialize in state law, one to specialize in federal law. And look, I'm not feeling sorry for these jackasses. It's, it's a principle of right or wrong. The, your principle is the principle, regardless of how you feel about the individual who's, who's, who's involved. Your principle is your principle. Right. And I don't see anybody out defending these guys. I mean, no, nobody's out there saying that it is perfectly okay to hop in, hop in your truck and chase somebody down and shoot them and, and shoot them dead. Nobody's saying that's right. Everyone's outraged by what happened. But this this is just pandering. And to say that Brian uh, overheard uh, Travis uh, McMichael saying a racial slur against Aubrey. Man, that's that's tough. We uh, wouldn't be allowed to say that in court. It's just because he has the weight of a badge. We wouldn't well, be able to say someone told me that they overheard something. Right. Well, but you, you don't you don't need to if you're going to release it to the press. You go ahead and poison a jury pool. So 
Travis McMichael's attorney uh, discredited the federal charges based on the false premise uh, from prosecutors and media while also ignoring their client's right to try to detain someone he suspected of committing burglaries. I mean, the citizen's arrest law is that is that is their argument. And whether we agree with it or not, it was the law at the time, just because um, they repealed it doesn't mean that they can't cite that at the time. Uh, Brian's attorney, Kevin Ghost, uh, told the media outlets this week he's looking forward to his client being acquitted of crimes he says he did not commit. Well, what's a defense attorney supposed to say? <laughs> I mean, he could have been, I guess he could have been like, oh, man, this is bad. Like, which might have come from him because he's the same attorney who was on national TV and said, he's sitting there with this client on TV. They're both, and he's like, you know, my client went to Glynn County Schools or whatever, and he's like, and that's not saying much. Like, or like basically said his client's an idiot. Man, yeah, yeah. I was, I was picturing this guy sitting in a desk, uh, pouring bourbon into a coffee cup, smoking a cigarette, going, oh, yeah, he's guilty. We're going to well, do our best. <laughs> Kevin is the one that did the hunger strike a couple years ago when he was the public defender because Jackie Johnson was screwing around with the office. So, so he went on a hunger strike. Seems like everybody cared when Gandhi did it, but nobody gives a damn when when uh, when a lawyer does it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> yeah. So the family's response: I'm just so proud they got those indictments on them and let the let them know they are not above the law. Uh, Marcus uh, Arbery Sr., father of Mar- Mar- Arbery, uh, when we when we get that verdict, my whole family going to be able to rest in peace, and my boy too. I hope the whole family's not going to rest in peace. I he mean, said, not, not not immediately. <laughs> he said he'll be able to rest in peace because he'll know he didn't die in vain. Like, Arbery Sr. said he'll, like, talking about his son. Right. Ahmad will rest in peace because Ahmad will know he didn't die in vain. What? Ah. I, as, if, as if he had a mission behind getting himself shot. I, 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 say, say what you want about anything. Anyway, Aubrey didn't wake up that morning and go, I'm going to be a martyr. Uh, so we move on to a former sheriff's deputy from Wilkinson County pleaded guilty last week to one count of possession of an unregistered firearm. The DOJ loves pointing out like what someone's job was in their headline. Like, you know, former cop, former police officer, former teacher, um, you know, T-ball coach, blah, blah, blah. They love it. So, you know, it, and it did catch my eye because it's from Georgia. And, and I read that he had an unregistered firearm and I was like, eh, okay. But then there was this story that came out in Business Insider. And uh, once again, it, it was all racially charged. I mean, the headline was the sheriff's deputy, a Georgia sheriff's deputy wanted, said he wanted to charge black people with felonies to prevent them from voting court document show. That's that's the headline. And so basically what happened is this this deputy, um, Cody Griggers, he worked for Wilkinson County and he was in some, I guess, what the FBI would define as extremist groups and on social media. And they started investigating one of his friends out in California when they got the guy's social media accounts and cell phone, they discovered that this guy Griggers had been communicating in a group text and, and saying things, um, about purchasing illegal weapons and explosives and expressed quote viewpoints consistent with white racially motivated extremists, um, including positive references to the Holocaust. So, you know, that's the narrative like you wouldn't know that unless you read the indictment or you've been following along like with the official court documents because that kind of stuff is just not really mentioned in the um general run-of-the-mill press releases yeah it's his stuff is pretty advanced but Uh, here's what's interesting to me this is what is odd to me so they came to to georgia and 
he got he got put he got fired by the sheriff because the FBI reached out to the sheriff and was like, "Hey, we're investigating your guy Cody." So the sheriff fired him right away. Um, super due process there, but um, fired him and said. Uh, so they they wanted to search his. They searched his home. They went, but they went to search his work vehicle. And in his work vehicle, they found, I guess, a couple guns. There were some guns at his home, and there were some guns that were in the patrol car. And one of them had the, the serial number obliterated. And then there was another gun in there that was not issued to him by the Wilkinson County Sheriff's Office. And in the indictment and in the court documents, they like lament that it is just totally ridiculous and unacceptable that the officer had guns in his car that were not issued by the wilkinson county sheriff's office i don't know about you i don't know how it is in paulding county but in south georgia there are agencies where officers and deputies carry guns because they aren't issued one by their agency and there are others where they carry like an angle gun or they have a shotgun in their trunk or a rifle in their window because they're not given it's not issued like if the fbi is going to start making an issue out of the fact that guns aren't issued by a law enforcement agency we're in we're in big trouble well let's fix uh one of the parts of the headline right now it's not that he had an unregistered firearm the state of georgia we don't we don't register firearms he violated the nfa national firearms act he had an sbr uh short barrel rifle uh, I think there was there was a reference to something that was possibly automatic, but I always take that with a grain of salt because uh, a lot of times newspapers, uh, I say newspapers, uh, media outlets confuse semi-automatic with auto. But if he had a, if he had a short barrel rifle in his possession and it was and it was not NFA or uh, obviously issued by the sheriff's department, yeah, he's in deep doo doo. That's a, that's a federal crime. Uh, whether or not it should be is a, is a matter of debate, but it is. I mean, it's a it's a decade in prison, and that and that's federal prison, uh, and like a quarter million dollar fine per offense. Sure, but they only charged him with one count. He only pled guilty to one count of possession of an unregistered firearm, and they found eleven quote illegal firearms. Like I don't know what they're 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 stretching the definition of what an illegal firearm is. Right uh, now, yeah, you can't you can't have a firearm with the serial number removed. Sure, I think that's the one they. I think uh, that's what was the, the the SBR may be difficult with a with a. With a deputy, because there's, there, I think there's a certain amount of leeway of what they're allowed to possess. But I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, if a, if a police officer has a has an SBR or has a fully has something that's fully auto or, or three round burst, uh, I, I guess that's typically issued by the department. I don't know. But the fact they're only they're only charged with one. I mean, if he gets if he gets ten, he'll do at least nine. It was interesting, too, because, um, well, it's not interesting. It's just how the media is. But, you know, again, this guy sounds like he was like based on some of the quotes from his his writings. It sounds like he was. Um, uh, oh, he, he, he he's got he some problems. Oh, yeah. He's, and, he's got he's got some serious mental problems. Right. The, and and, the, and the, 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 the stuff is so graphic. I really don't want to read it on the show. Right. And the gun was. Is, but the gun seemed to be like the low hanging fruit for things that he said, um, and but they didn't really go after him for the comments. Um, well, which it's is protected, it's protected speech. Mm, it's not though when you start talking about like, I mean, he was in extremist groups talking about like inflicting harm and and doing things like he was. It was be it went. I would in other instances. I feel like they would have crossed that threshold and and started going out. I mean, I've seen people go to prison for those things. Well, and what this dude has done is he has endangered every conviction that he was involved in. Yeah. Is there, you know, presumably legitimate convictions. They're going to, they're going to come right back to this and, and, and pull this up. I mean, that I'm almost obviously not an attorney, but that'd be my number one part on appeal. Look, this is what the officer who who made the arrest had to say about people that look like my client. 
But this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone, not on the show, or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. So, Loeffler and Raffensperger are sparring, and it makes it hard to pick a horse. Yeah, bless your heart. Last week, former Senator Kelly Loeffler rose from her political grave, that nice, to ask Attorney General Chris Carr to investigate Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger for his handling of the 2020 election. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, you know, it's just that Greater Georgia PAC thing she started. I don't know if it's a PAC, but it's an, it's an advocacy thing. And she So she wrote this long letter um, calling for him to, for Carr to investigate whether Raffensperger used the office for his own interests, um, saying he politicized and minimized voters' legitimate concerns about Georgia elections um, that came about because of COVID. And her quote in one one of the paragraphs was, this request is not about the outcome of an election, but about the loss of confidence in our elections and the importance of holding elected officials accountable for upholding the law and carrying out their constitutional duties. And then she listed out like multiple um, examples of how you know, he may have either, well, I, well, I don't see how they connect um, for him using the office for his personal political interests, because we don't really know what those are. Because if you look at his voting record and his ideology and what he's actually done, like no, none of it matches because he's an inconsistent, unprincipled hack. But um, the allegations that she claimed in the letter were that he failed to adequately address absentee voting, um, that he, she blames him for the phone call with Trump in January, 2020 about finding enough votes to reverse the victory. Um, she blames him for entering into the consent degree, which that one is interesting to me because she brings it up and wants Carr to investigate whether he did that for his own political interest. But Carr signed the letter, the consent decree. Um, right. And then one of the other ones, which I do think this one is interesting. She said that, you know, they announced all of these um, hundreds of primary and general election investigations that they opened, you know, as a result of whether it be absentee or um, the voting boxes or however. And um, none. Well, one, none of them have been resolved. We don't know the status of them. But then also there were none from there were no investigations from the runoff election. And and I do I do understand that. So what is what happened? Like if 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 there were so, 100 investigations that came from the primary and general election and you ran the runoff exactly the same. What was perfect, like absolutely perfected. So that there were no investigations. Or did you just lie and are all the investigations launched before because you wanted to do something political? I, I do agree with that one. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> Everybody in this sucks. Once again. We have Chris Carr, who doesn't believe he works for the people. Uh, Kelly Loeffler, who just can't you know, like Molly Cruz said, girl, don't go away mad. Just go away. Yeah, she's she's wanted to she's wanted to hold on to some sort of political power. I don't know if she plans on running again. Or she's she's had campaign coffers that were full and she decided she wanted to start a PAC or, or a political organization so she could spend that money. I have no idea. But is this something the AG is responsible for, or do you go to the IG? Do you go to the Inspector General? Well, it's, you know, Carr's office said the same day that they got the letter, under the Georgia Constitution, the Department of Law is the lawyer for the executive branch um, of government, which includes the Secretary of State's office. As such, we cannot investigate our own client on these particular matters. We forwarded the letter to our client for their review and appropriate response. <laughs> um Whatever. <laughs> Man, he does some mental gymnastics to avoid doing his job, doesn't he? Well, and I'm jumping ahead, but it's the right time to say it. Like, 
you know, he's also the office is not under investigation, but will be facing is having to answer questions um, with regard to the Fulton County DA's investigation with Trump and, and the meddling of the election and, and all those allegations. And um, the secretary of state's office has lawyers in it, but Kemp had to appoint special counsel the exact same day that this happened. He had to appoint a lawyer to represent the secretary of state's office in that matter because Chris Carr declined to do it. So consistent. Yeah. A spokesperson spoke on the attorney and then a spokesperson spoke on the the Leffler thing. And in one, they cited the Constitution and said that, you know, we are the attorney for the executive branch and we cannot investigate our own. And then when it's time to represent the the argument is that we represent them so we can't investigate them. So then when it's time to represent, they're like, oh, we we're not going to represent you. Um, Please go pay, pay this law firm that's based out of Birmingham, Alabama, and just, you know, fork out all the all the dollars. Right. Of course, Raffensperger uh, said that Loeffler was weak and a fake Trumper. Oh, wow. He Mm. really hit her hard. Yeah, yeah. And he said he's still running for re-election. Man. Just go away. I mean, I, I don't know what his goal is here. I mean, does, does he, is he still delusional, the idea that he's going to follow Kemp's footsteps and get reelected as Secretary of State and then go and take the, take the governor's mansion? Is, is, that what this, is that what this guy thinks? I don't know, but I loved his... He was on Cavuto, and um, he said, Many people support what I have done. When I talked to people throughout the state, there were still some hard feelings from some of the people, but many of the people understood that we did everything right. They didn't like the results, but neither did I. Um, first of all, there may be some hard feelings, buddy. They wouldn't even let you be a delegate for your own precinct in the Georgia GOP. Like they hate you. I'm not saying it was earned or, you know, like I hated him before it was cool. So you're welcome. But like, (laughs) I don't think it's many people support what I've done because here's the thing. The people who support it are either Democrats and they're going to back a Democrat or they're moderates who are probably either going to find a third party candidate or, just sit back like they're not gonna a moderate or you know a or a libertarian or a democrat is not going to show up to the polls to cast a vote for raffensperger just because of this right so he what 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 would be worse i mean for your for your political future not running for re-election losing in the primary or losing in the general and handing handing it over to the other team but most of these of these local parties are not big fans of Raffensperger at all. I mean, I think it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a, a real tough road to hoe for him just just to just make it to the primary, which we're what a little more than twelve months away. I don't think this is going to die down anytime soon. I mean, that's Loeffler's idea is to is to keep him in the press is to. Uh, Write letters and 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 keep his name out there as as somebody who screwed up and shouldn't be reelected. Maybe that's the role she wants to slide into. I don't know. Yeah, is she gonna fall on some swords or something? I mean, it just. I, I yeah I don't I, I don't I don't know what her end game is with Raffensperger other than she doesn't want him to get reelected, which you know fine. Uh, or is it that she wants to take over Secretary of State and she wants to run, which would be horrible optics for her to release letters like this and then run? Unless she stands up and says, I, I was not going to run again, but I felt compelled after the inaction by our uh, our attorney general. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess she got a taste of political power and, and liked it. From somebody who was... Uh, relatively on the periphery is politically before this where she's more, you know, she's more interested in running the businesses and, and, and being a rich lady than she was in politics. Well, she's really no different than Raffensperger because both of them ran for office or, or served elected to serve um, by believing they could buy the office. And the difference is she was success. He was successful and she wasn't right. They're really pretty similar. 
Yeah, nobody knew who the hell Brad Raffensperger was. And his signs just exploded. Which I think his, his name recognition is going to be a negative now. Because they're going to they're gonna tie it to this. They're going to tie it to the 2020 election. And that's going to be the rallying cry for Republicans in 22 is going to be remember 2020. So, yeah. Awesome, huh? Mm-hmm. I wish we would stop making the news for the wrong reasons. No. There's no reason that, I, that our Secretary of State should be on Cavuto. There's no reason that the governor of Georgia should have been should have been on uh, Fox News 50 times. There's no reason that, well, Vernon Jones should have been all over Fox News. Come on, Georgia. Stop making the news for the wrong reason. Or just go ahead and name us North Florida and, and lump us together. Yeah, you know, only, you know, after the 2000 election, everybody's, uh, everybody's like, Oh, look how awful Florida is. And George is like, huh, hold my beer. Let me show you something. Well, Jessica, do you have any closing thoughts? Yes. We have a hero of the week. So there's this guy um, named Wayne. In I don't know how to say the It's Washington County, Michigan. And he was in a property line dispute with his neighbor, um, I guess last for most of last year and and I guess he lost um I don't it was it had to do with like fencing and everything so he <laughs> his neighbor like wanted to control what he could do on his own the other guy's property and all that they know they're not in an HOA blah 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 so the guy built a wall out of cow manure <laughs> so now it smells like crap it's kind of like the guy who put the um, middle finger statue up, you know, to City Hall. But instead of using the fencing that he wanted to use, he just used a green composting pile. Which they said there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. Because you can have compost on your property. <laughs> I know somebody who did something like this. You do? Yeah, he was in a, uh, a, a dispute with somebody. And the way the property's lined up... Uh, the the easement was very close to the front porch of this other house. He paid to have a, a dump truck load of manure brought in and dumped right, right on the property line, but on his side of the line, just to remind them of what he thinks of them. Hmm. <laughs> Finally, we say horse. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> You're welcome, Matt, for the shout out. <laughs> for the shout out. So, what does Matt add to the show? It's like it's sort of like Ed McMahon. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Right. <laughs> so, Jeopardy contestant accused of flashing a white power hand signal. It's mine. So, this dude won several games. Uh, I think his name is Kelly. Uh, yeah, Kelly Donahoe. Uh, held up three fingers. This is after his, th- or I guess after he had won three. Uh, and he, he felt a, in three fingers he used was his middle ring and pinky finger. And former contestants and talking heads and other morons jumped on it as a white power s- symbol to hold up three fingers. I have been white my entire life. And I didn't know the number three was uh, was uh, meant meant anything besides three, or a slider, if, if you're if you're playing catcher. I have Jessica. Have you ever heard heard of that? Mm-mm. I I keep I, I it's it's beyond me. But here's the thing: when the guy after the guy won his first game, he held up one finger. Second game, he held up two. He won his third game, he held up three fingers. The, the the guy's dumbfounded. The the and of course he's apologizing for what people may have read into it, which I think is a hor- horrible thing to embolden those folks. I mean, by those the woke crowd, 
have to be careful when I say those folks. The woke crowd is not to give in to them. You just can't do anything. There's other cases where someone's giving the okay symbol and someone says, well, that's racist. What? You use it when you're, when you're diving because you can't, if thumbs up means well, let's go to the surface. And if someone says, are you okay? You give them the okay signal. I guess we need to rewrite all the Patty and Nowy books to make sure to not use that symbol. Good God, man. So if you like what you heard, Please like and share us on social media. Interact with us on social media. Be sure to to send Jessica personal emails about what you thought of her performance on the show. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah. So, for Jessica Salaji, for Eric Cumbie, our editor, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. <laughs>